and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast. Not a cooking show starring a pastor, but instead a show that does three things. One, it's going to help you discover your purpose as you live according to the way of Jesus in your yes, life. Yes. Two, it's going to provide clarity on why the world the way is the way it is, right? Mm-hmm. And then three, it's going to build confidence that you're living out and sharing the best way to be human on earth with your friends and family. Pastor Doug has spent his whole life researching and engaging with the world to help followers better understand the world around them and to better communicate the hope of Jesus mm-hmm. to them. So I'm Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host. And without further ado, please welcome our very own Salty Pastor, Dr. Doug Peak. Hey everyone, I'm just glad you're here today. And like uh, Jesse said, we do this podcast for you. We're hoping that you discover why you believe what you believe. Because I, you know, what you believe is one of the most important things about you. So it's important for me to to help just uh, bring a little salt to your life, so that you can be who God has called you to be. So it's really good that we're here, and we're starting a brand new series. That's right, a brand new series, and that's called Nonsense. Making sense out of life. Yeah. So uh, I think the title kind of speaks to it, but why are we doing this series, Pastor? Well, life is so senseless right now. I mean, it really is. We live in a culture that doesn't really value life or the sovereignty of an individual. And so our society is fractured so on ideological lines that life has lost this sensefulness, this meaning and purpose. And when a a society loses any type of ideological agreement, which is what John Locke called a social contract, what it does is it has an impact on you as an individual in the sense that you have in your life. Psychologists call this cognitive dissonance, and that is, is that when your experience doesn't line up, with what your your brain tells you the way it should be. And so you live in this tension. And this tension uh, brings a loss of meaning. And when we lose meaning in life, it ends up in despair. And I think that's why we find such incredibly high levels of anxiety and depression and meaningless lack of hope and despair in the lives of people in today's world. Well, and it almost feels like kind of like, uh, especially in my generation, I think mm-hmm. it's it's like a, a confusion or a disorientation. Like you just don't mm. quite know where you're supposed to be. Like there's no direction. It just right. feels like, you know, you always see those movies, um, the war movies, when like a, a grenade goes off or an explosion goes off mm-hmm. nearby. Mm-hmm. And all you hear is this like ringing sound and the vision's really blurred and you can't quite hear what's going yeah. on. Total that's disorientation. What, yeah, and I think that's kind of the best way I found to kind of explain cognitive dissonance is like you're just like you're kind of seeing and experiencing the world, but none of it's really making sense. And it just kind of feels yeah. like it's just really chaotic. And yeah, I feel absolutely. like that's a lot of what my generation's experiencing so i guess my question is how do we find out how we got here and what do we do in order to get where we're supposed to be like we're, yeah. we're very off track we're super off track i think we we that explosion hit us and we wandered way off into the distance yeah. and we're not anywhere near where we're supposed everyone's to be. ears are still ringing yeah <laughs> well that, this is why i love the letters uh, that the apostle john wrote to the church because the apostle john wrote his letters to a culture in exactly the same place as ours is today. And that's really fascinating to me how 
much they are alike. The culture at that time was completely pagan. Now, people are like, oh my goodness, that sounds like some weird ancient religious thing. But what people don't realize is that we are completely pagan in American society today. We're 100% pagan. We're exactly like the first century Romans. And paganism simply is, is that uh, in, in pagan culture is they had all sorts of things that they worshiped, all sorts of things that they dedicated their lives to or that they chose and picked to bring their lives meaning. And America's the same way today. You know, everybody, you can choose whatever you want. You can even now choose your gender. You can choose your societal uh, perception. You can choose your pronouns. You can choose your, your name. You can choose anything and everything today. They took the Burger King motto of have it your way have to the extreme. Way to the extreme. And so now, uh, um, and that, what that is, is paganism, right? And so it's important to understand that. The second thing is that the culture in first century Rome uh, emphasized a personal spiritual experience mm. above all else. And so our culture has done the exact same thing today. Is like very few people associate themselves anymore with a particular religious group or religion, but they overwhelmingly say they're spiritual, mm. right? And that's exactly what the first century Rome was about is that, well, you know, your personal inner experience is what matters the most, not some uh, orthodox uh, principle or value that exists out there that asks all of us to try to consider it and abide by it. Uh, faith today is predominantly how you feel about your life. See, faith isn't something that I place my hope in and my assurance in that exists outside of myself, right? That might hold me accountable and correct me when I'm wrong and develop a conscience within me and teach me objective values and standards to live up to. Uh, faith today is, uh, you know, faith in yourself and how you feel about yourself and are you happy and are you becoming? This is exactly what the first century Romans were like. They were pursuing things. This, is, this was during what was known as the Pax Romana. This is the greatest affluence and glory of Rome. So it started in about, you know, 500 AD, I'm sorry, 50 AD, and it went up to about 200, you know, about one, well, actually closer to 170 uh, AD. So there was this about 120 year to 200 year period in Rome in its thousand year history where it was the greatest uh, in its empire strength and wealth. And so it, that reflects our society today. America is more wealthy as a nation than Rome was when Rome was in power. You know, when you, when you compare it apples to apples, uh, the, the culture in early, first century Rome held to a, a notion that your inner truth, your personal truth, your personal goals and objectives uh, are more important than any type of revelatory truth. And that was really easy in paganism because someone would say, uh, this is what I want, this is what I believe in, this is what I'm really thinking about. And you could go find a god or a demagogue that represented that, right? And But this is what America does today, you know? It's like my truth is so important, and we're even at the point today where if you don't affirm my truth, if you don't agree with my truth, then 
you are a bigoted person. You are a, an evil person, a wrong person. So my, the reason I'm doing this series is because 1 John was written to a church that was struggling with the very issues that the church in today's world and what every person who listens to this podcast and people who don't listen to this podcast are having to deal with every single day in their life. I mean, I, I, I see this in our society a lot, actually, just in day-to-day, even just in our TV. I was watching a show the other day, and they kept using the phrase, well, they need to, they need to know our truth, and then they'll accept us. And yeah. it was like, there's phrases like that that just get thrown around a lot, especially in media, where they're talking about, well, you can kind of justify your actions, your wants, your desires, mm-hmm. As long as you just kind of throw this broad term of, well, it's my truth over it, right? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's almost like a, a catch-all excuse of, well, I want to act the way I want to act, and I don't want to take responsibility for it, so it's yeah. my truth. And I mean, there's definitely some, some things going on there that um, I'm sure you're going to break down, but that's what it feels like. I hear that the most when it's, well, I want to do something. And I'm just going to say it's my truth and therefore I can do it. And that yeah. it's kind of this. And you have to say, oh, well, if it's your truth, it's okay. Yeah. And that's and everybody that's has of, to accept and it. And everybody has to say that's okay. And I'm okay with you doing that or feeling that way. And I mean, it's like, it feels like at some point it's just going to evolve into, well, I committed this crime, but it's my truth. And yeah. so therefore, yeah. and it gets into the social contract thing at some point. And I mean, that's, you know, that's a slippery slope and, and we're, we're going very far into it and it may not ever get that far, but it could in yeah. this, in the way it's evolving, it's very possible that it could also get to that point. Well, and that's why we're so divisive. Right. Why, why, why American society is so divided right now is because of that. So what, what was going on in the first century church? You said this is kind of a parallel where we're, we're experiencing mm-hmm. similar things that Rome did. Um, the first century church was around that same time. What inspired John to write what he wrote and how is that applicable? Well, uh, first and foremost is that there was a division in the church. Okay. You could say a, uh, like uh, the church had split in okay. the two. And if you read in chapter two, verse 19, you kind of really get the flavor of this where he says, uh, he says, this group of people, it says, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going out showed that none of them actually belonged to us. So you see there's a division. Then, And what you see here in that verse is they've already divided, okay? Right. But this group that left uh, the church, they were trying to recruit people from the Apostle John's church, okay? so It was a turf war. It was like a little bit of a turf war. And they didn't disagree, though, over something, you know, like, you know, the music or the style of music. They didn't disagree over, you know, how much should we spend to help people or how much foreign missions work or other things that uh, uh, sometimes churches will go separate ways on. They, they split over a lot of really specific things. And they, if you read through the, uh, the, the, whole book, you get really quick, like in chapter two, verse 22 and chapter five, verse one and five, you see that this group of people denied that Jesus was the Christ, the son of God, that he was a saving Messiah. 
in chapter four, verse two, you see that they deci- they denied that that Jesus had come in the flesh. In chapter two, verse four, you see that they denied the authority of the commands of Jesus. In other words, we don't have to listen to his commands. In chapter one, verse eight, and chapter ten, they denied that they had any personal sinfulness. And um, you notice in chapter two, verse two, they denied that salvation comes through what Christ did on the cross. They denied that. They denied that believers should be required to love one another. Chapter two, verse nine, they denied that righteous conduct should be a requirement to be in fellowship with God. Chapter one, verse six, chapter two, verse 29, chapter three, verses six and verse 10. They denied the call to live as Jesus lived. In other words, follow his example in everyday life. They denied that. Chapter 2, verse 4, verse 6 of chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 7. Basically, what they did, this group that split off, they took Jesus and they made Jesus into what they wanted him to be instead of embracing who he actually was, what he actually said, and what he actually accomplished in the name of God on the cross. So all those references were in First John, right? Yes, First John. Just to clarify for those who are listening, um, but I mean, I think we see a lot of that today too, like that yeah. that 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 ideology of of making Jesus or making church what you want it to be. You know, there's there's some churches that go, well, no matter what you're doing in your life, Jesus loves you, and we just want you to come yeah. and sing some songs and feel better and about feel yourself. better about yourself. And then there's some, but that you are, never do. I know. You it's know what I'm like, saying? You never do. Yeah. It's, it's, you just go and have an experience. And then the moment the experience is over, you're, you're back to where you were at. And there's never an, there's never a, a psychological, you know, and I I don't use that in the term of the, you know, the, the weird psychology that's out there, but in it's authentic. And that is the study of oneself, you know, who you are, your mind and so forth that, that there's no transformation. And what I mean by that is not just a change in your behavior. I mean, in a sense of who you are and that you are a happier, you're changed. You're, you're, you're aspiring to what you want to be and you're becoming that. And you're like, I'm, I know I'm not perfect, but man, I just feel I'm on the right path. Right. You know, and that's all lost. It's all gone because of what you just said. People just trying to make something into what they want it to be. And I mean, they, that goes across all things. There's there's versions of, you know, people get lost down the train of, well, Jesus was this skin color. He's depicted the wrong color. Or yeah. he said these things. Or, you know, there's some people that are like, he's not even a real person. And, right. you know, it's more about the idea of him. Mm-hmm. And he never existed. I mean, what, there's, there's so many branching paths of what people want. And they all go, well, it's my faith and my truth so I can do what I want with it. And right. it's like... They don't have any objectivity or final objective truth to look at. They're just like, well, I'm going to pick and choose what I want out of the Bible that affirms what I want to do with my life. And then anything that tells me that what I might want to do with my life is wrong, we're just going to ignore those parts. Those don't matter anymore, right? It's Again, it's the Burger King model of have it your way. Faith, Which right? ends in in the, the this is why our society is so divided. This is why though there's so much despair. This is why people have such meaningless lives. And this is what COVID did during the pandemic and the quarantines and the lockdowns is that people just realized how empty their lives really were of actual meaning. Well, let's jump into the first chapter of First John and see what John starts his letter to the churches with. Um, I'm going to read through this really quick. So. Uh 
chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also have the fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. And I think what's really amazing about this is once you know what was really going on, these words take on such rich and deep meaning. You know, this group that had split off uh, were what is commonly known as Gnostics. They they were really spiritual. They wanted to be really spiritual people, but they didn't want to be constrained by any revelatory or objective truth. And so they put all their emphasis on uh, your personal truth through your own experience. And so it was a very feeling, emotional-based type uh, personification. And you noticed in there that one of the things they did, you know, in chapter 4, verse 2, is that they denied that Jesus was the Christ, and they denied that he came in the flesh. Now, you need to understand a little bit basic about Gnosticism, and what Gnosticism came out of was an ancient Greek philosophy originally seeded by Socrates and Plato. And Socrates had a position uh, called dualism, and Plato picked up on it called idealism. And what happened is they basically kind of came to this conclusion that we live in a binary existence. There is a spiritual existence and there is a material existence, which is the earth and everything here. And whenever you see a person or you see a chair or you see a dog or a cat or you see a cantaloupe or a cactus or if you build a building or whatever, those things are all material personifications of a spiritual ideal, a perfection, right? Okay. And so the ideal is perfect. The material world is imperfect. So Jesus comes along and says, well, I'm one with the father, you know? And so they were like, okay, we really accept the fact that there's a, a spiritual ideal that's perfect, but they called that the unknown God. They, that you couldn't know that God, that God was hidden. He was too perfect to yeah. have because yeah because you're too material right and and then what they would say is that but the, the material's corrupted therefore it's evil and bad no matter how hard you try it's always going to be bad so what happened is Jesus said well I have come and so they were like okay well the material couldn't be created by a perfect God the hidden God and so what happened is that that God created a uh, they, they called it an archon, and, and these were also known as eons, but basically a God that was a little bit lesser than him, 
Maybe kind of like, like a, a demigod, like that phrase gets thrown around. Well, well yeah, sort of. Yeah, sort of. They were like kind a sub god, basically. Yeah. Well, in paganism, in Roman paganism, is a demigod was usually a when a god would procreate with a human being. Okay, so they were kind of like half god, half human, and so that they were demi, they were less. Right. And it was similar to that, I guess. You, there was just without the human aspect. Exactly. Of it. And so what happened is the the hidden god created another god, and then that god created another god, and that god kind of like copies on a copy machine or clones. But and as you get middle further management. away, yeah, middleman <laughs> bureaucracy right there, and it just kept going until finally a lesser god way down the line, another archon, uh, created the heavens and the earth, and that's why it's corrupted, and that's why it's wrong. Okay. And are bad. And so what happens in Gnosticism is you have to come, it comes from the Greek word knowledge, and you gain knowledge about each of these aeons, which is ruled by an archon, and you kind of slowly work your way up until you can discover the hidden God, right? Okay. And so that is what, that is what Gnosticism was. And, and so they denied that Jesus came in the flesh because you know, Gnosticism says your your personal inner experience is more important than anything else. And Jesus wasn't so much a person as an ideal. He was an archetype that we should espouse to, but he couldn't, he wasn't about a specific truth because he never came in the flesh. And John immediately refutes this. Look at what he says in verse one. Now that you know everything that I just told you, listen to this verse in a different light. That which was from the beginning so from the very beginning, this hidden God that you say nobody else can find, from the very beginning, which we have heard and we saw it with our own eyes, we looked at it and our hands have touched it. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. So you see how, I mean, he doesn't start off saying, hi, everybody, hope you're having a good day. How you doing? <laughs> da, da, da. I mean, he, he comes, comes out, out swinging. swinging. Yeah, he comes out swinging, and he say, simply says that everything that they base their ideals on is completely and unequivocally false. Because I saw Jesus, I saw him, I walked with him, I saw him die on the cross, I saw him raised from the dead, and after he raised from the dead, I touched him. You know, I ate with him over and over again. That's who we're talking. So he immediately refutes this notion of Gnosticism, and which is really important because what he's simply saying is that your inner truth and your emphasis on that and your desire to rationalize whatever you want to rationalize is the essence of meaninglessness. It is the essence of your despair. So we, he immediately goes after it. And then he says in chat, verse two, he goes, look, Remember in, in uh, chapter 2, verse 22, uh, John writes how they denied that Jesus had come in the flesh. They also denied that he was the Messiah, the one that saves them. Notice what he says in verse 2. The life appeared, we saw it, or we have seen it, and we testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So he immediately says, Jesus is in fellowship with the Father and we are in fellowship with him. And that's what salvation is. That's where joy comes from. And so you see how he, 
I mean, these are power packed. Right. You know, he's not he's not mincing words. He is not mixing words. And with this group of people, what he's doing is he's pulling out, you know, the fifty cal sniper man, and he's just ripping off rounds. He's throwing them <laughs> down range and hitting the bullseye every time. Look at what he says in verse five. He goes, "This is the message. This is the message. This is what you must hear. This is the message." We heard it from you, from him, and we declare it to you. So it's not our message. We didn't make it up. We didn't think that this is what we didn't run it through our own personal filter of what we wanted. We're like, we saw it, and now we declare it to you. And here's what it is. Because remember what they said is that the God who, there's a hidden God, we don't know him, but the God you guys are talking about are lesser, and if God created the world, right, there's evil in the world, so that means God must be what? Evil. Evil. See, that's how they thought. And a lot of people think that way today. Right. A lot of people think that way today. How could he let these things happen to me? Yeah, and it's just, it's just like, wow, wow. I don't mean this to be so salty, but if you spent five minutes having a thought deeper than a mud puddle, you would come up with the answer to that question. Because all you have to do is look in the mirror. Just look in the mirror, you know, um, and, and that will put you on the path to real truth. And so, but that's, that's what's going on is that people think that because they don't spend five minutes to think something more um deeper than a one inch mud puddle. It's just crazy. And that's, and, and then people go, I don't understand why my life doesn't have any meaning. And I don't understand why I wrestle with depression constantly. And I don't understand why life is so hard. And I don't understand this. And I don't understand that. And I don't understand that. And I go, well, cause what you believe is the most important thing about you. And no one has ever told you that what you believe is silly and shallow. <laughs> Please, please, for the sake of your life, for the sake of who you're meant to be, for the sake of God's call to you, the declaration of the gospel, think past such idiotic shallowness and try to embrace something that will set you free. And then you will have joy. You will walk in the blessing of God. You will understand the point and purpose of your life. You will shun and leave despair and emptiness and meaningless behind. And this is what John is saying is that this life appeared and we proclaim to you the eternal life. It's eternal. And we're declaring it to you, he says in verse five. In verse six, he says, if we say that we have fellowship with Jesus and yet we walk in darkness and we think shallow, idiotic things, we're lying. We don't live out the truth. And who are we lying to? You know, are we lying to the world? Well, no, not really. Are we lying to God? Well, no, not really. We're lying to ourselves. We are lying to ourselves. And the thing that Satan wants us to do is to believe the lie. Mm. And when we believe the lie, we're forever trapped in what Christ came to set us free from. He says, if we walk in the light, verse 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I love that verse because what he's saying is, look, if you... You know you're not perfect, right? So how in the world will you ever be in fellowship? And and the word there in the Greek is koinonia. And what it means is, you know, that sense of family. Maybe in a marriage, it's koinonia is that intimacy that you really, I found my soulmate. I don't know anybody out there who says, hey, I don't want to find my soulmate. 
know, everybody's, everybody's interested in love and getting married says, man, I want to find my soulmate. That person just fits perfectly with me. Um, people out there say, man, I want to be close to my kids. I've never met anybody who says, well, I want to have a lot of kids and I don't want anything to do with them. I want to ship them off. They're all a pain in the <laughs> neck. I don't ever, never want to see them again, but I want to have lots of kids. That, that's just incongruent. We go, oh, that's crazy. Nobody thinks that way. Everybody says, man, I want to be close to my kids. A lot of people say, I want to live in a city where people are happy and get along. You know, I don't want to live in a, in a war zone where people are constantly killing each other and you don't know who you can trust and everybody's an enemy. Nobody wants to live in that way. Even in the promise of America, it was what, let's find a way to settle our differences in a way where, where, where we don't have to use violence and, and we can be at peace with each other. As John Locke said, have a social contract with each other. You know, uh, you have the freedom to live the way you want. I have the freedom to live the way because we respect one another's freedom and liberty. We just kind of, it's a live and let live. You do your thing, I do your thing. As long as we don't clash with each other, it's fine. But all of that, that spirit is being lost. And notice what John says right here. If we walk in the light, he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. See, we have peace with one another. We have unity instead of division. We have community instead of tribal hatred for one another. Instead of blood oaths and revenge, what we have is we have fellowship. Married people finding their soulmates, families being close, right? Uh, friends and neighborhoods bonding together. Churches are at peace because they're fellowshipping in harmony with one another. And even though nobody's perfect and mistakes will be made, that's okay because the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. So what he's saying to all of those Gnostics there in the first century is he goes, look, there is no way in heaven that you're ever going to find any peace. There's no way in heaven you're going to find any fellowship, any unity, anything at all thinking uh in this Gnostic way. And so that is so applicable for our society today because we'll never be, uh, you know, come together as a church or as families or married people or anything unless we acknowledge that what makes it possible is something that exists outside of ourselves, which is Jesus Christ. So we want to walk in the light as he is in the light. And then we will have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. And then he, he, the final thing they denied is that, well, we don't have any sin. Mm. And I'll tell you what, this world that we live in today is, I don't have any sin. I don't have any sin. You know, uh, if, if you, if it doesn't take long to live in an adult world and realizes that, well, if there's a problem, you have a problem in your life or you look at disparity or you look at anything going on and your life isn't happy. You know why? It's somebody else's fault. Right. It's always somebody else's fault. Life's happening to me. So yeah. You know, so if you're a young lady and things aren't working out the way you would like, you know, it has nothing to do with you because you're perfect. Right. You're perfect. You're a unicorn. You're so special. You have no flaws. And the reason why you can't become who you want to become is because there's these hidden group of men out there who formed this thing called a patriarchy and you can't see it, but it's designed to keep you down and miserable. Oh, you know what? If you're a young minority here, you're perfect. You're absolutely perfect. 
And the reason why you're not getting ahead in life is because there's this group of people out there who are invisible that have things that you don't have called privilege and you can't ever see it, identify it or know it. But the reason why things don't happen in your life the way you want them is because you're perfect and they exist. Mm. So what we do is I could keep going down the list is we start demonizing groups, you know, demonizing people and demonizing genders and demonizing government, you know, de- demonizing everything. You know, and that's easy to do in a postmodern deconstructionist approach to life because all you got to do is find one problem with something and then that allows you to make a judgment that, well, it's all evil and I'm perfect. And so that's Gnostic thinking and that's the way people think today. Pure 100% Gnostic thinking in today's world. And what's fascinating is this is what John writes. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Boy, let that just sink on you for a second. <laughs> it just kind of settles in just like a wet right. blanket. Yeah, it's, I mean, and I think I like what you, you kind of alluded to earlier is when we, lie, when, we, when we believe these things or we say these things that are lies about, you know, ourselves or whatever, it's not God who's going, oh, well, you're lying to me or the world that's going, you're lying to me. Right. It's, you're lying to yourself. You're and so you're yourself. doing self-harm. Yeah. And then. Like God already knows all this. He's like, he knows that you're, you're, you're a flawed human and that you need to work on some things. Like that's not who's getting hurt in this process. It's you. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting yourself. Yeah. And in Gnostic thought hurts you, you know? And that's why when I talk about Gnosticism, pe- Gnosticism people go, what? What in the world are you talking about? Because nobody's ever heard of it, right? Right. Nobody ever heard of it. Why has nobody ever heard of it? Because it died. It died out because it was a miserable, stinking way of thinking. And what they came up with was absolutely ridiculous and absurd. And everybody realized very quickly, thinking this way and trying to live this way is a joke. It doesn't work. And so what happens is the beauty of it is people always come back to Christ. They always come back to the truth. Because when we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of his son cleanses us all from unrighteousness. And then, you know, he says, verse one of the most popular verses that many, many people have heard, if we confess our sins. So if I address the fact that I'm not perfect, if I address the fact that I have flaws, then what I can do is uh, uh, confess those and Jesus is faithful and just. He's not here to judge me and harm me. He's here to free me by forgiving me, by forgiving me and purifying me. See, now that's the beauty of it, being purified from all this unrighteousness. So, you know, you can see right off the bat, chapter one is very short, but boy, in 10 verses, he just says, I'm here to do battle with really bad thinking. Absolutely. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I just kind of want to close today, um, just kind of summarizing really what you should be doing with this podcast. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not here. We're not doing this show to tell you what to think. Um, but instead of, 
equip you to think for yourself so you have confidence in what you believe. You can think through it for yourself. You're not writing on your parents' faith or what Pastor Doug told you to believe, but you've thought through it and said, yes, this is the confidence I have in my own belief and the hope of Jesus Christ. And going from that confidence, you need to start having conversations to help refine that thought and that belief. You just sitting at home thinking on your own isn't really going to help you. You need to go out and have a coffee with someone and start that conversation. Hey, I heard this thing on the podcast the other day. Let's talk about it. What What do you think about what Pastor Doug said? Um, you you go and uh, engage someone who thinks differently than you, and you don't do it as a I'm right, you're wrong kind of conversation, but you have a discussion and say, hey, I've heard these things. I want to talk to you about this because it's going to help me further understand what I believe and maybe help you further understand what you believe Mm -hmm. and you know or share this on on social media start a conversation with someone just out of the blue and say hey give this a listen tell me what you think and i think those conversations are going to really spur you on towards deepening your faith and really understanding what you think Mm. this isn't here for pastor doug to tell you well this is what you should believe it's to start a conversation and you need to be having those conversations so um we're so glad you guys joined us today here on the salty pastor we hope you join us for the next episode on thursday many blessings on you salty ones